Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. But David won't take his eyes off of her, and he begins to run through. He's tempted and carried away by his own desires, and it gives birth to death. Adultery and death, adultery and murder. Identify, detach, and discard. There are some things that cannot be in your life. You've got to set your mind above on the things of God, not the things of earth. You cannot allow your mind to wander. You cannot allow any person, place, or thing to serve as your trigger. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for Christ making his way clear to us, Lord, that it's not about what we do for him, but what he's done for us and how that changes us from the inside out and changes the way that we think, live, and speak. And so, Father, as we... Move into this next installment of Right Side Up Living in an Upside Down World, Lord, as we move into this message today, Lord, successful kingdom living, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to live successfully before this dying world, to successfully point people to Christ through our conduct with our lips and our lives, Lord. Help us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers, and help us, Lord, to take in and drink deeply of what Jesus has to say this sermon. We pray this in Jesus' Amen. All right, today's message carries on the same thought process from last week's message. Last week, uh, the message is entitled, This Changes Everything, An Encounter with Christ. Salvation changes everything. It changes everything about us. And we're going to continue with this theme this week. You've heard me say it before, right thinking leads to right attitudes, actions, words, and deeds. And this is why Jesus often said, as a man or a woman thinks within himself, so he is. Or that's why he warned in uh, Matthew 15, 19, that out of the mind flow evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. A lot of times we work on the outside of the cup, but we forget to work on the inside of the cup. And Christ... When we receive Jesus, as we say, in our heart, and as we drink him in, as we receive salvation, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us and enables and empowers us to live out our faith in a compelling way. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about what that looks like. The Sermon on the Mount is about inside-out living. 
is about living out your faith. And as we become more like Christ and less like ourselves, the Spirit of God polishes us up. He sands off the rough edges. There are things that have to go in our lives. And that's what you're going to see in today's passage. Today's passage is going to talk about adultery, about divorce, and about rash vows. But what it's more so talking about than just those things, and those are big, big things, particularly in the 21st century, is attitudes, are things that we have to get rid of, things that have no place in our hearts and minds or lives. And I think if you listen to what we're going to be reading here in just a moment in Matthew 5, 27 to 37, you're going to see that it's more than just about avoiding certain behaviors. It's about embracing a certain thinking because you've embraced the Savior. So let's read Matthew 5, 27 to 37 and see what the Word of God has to say to us. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members, one of your body parts, than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better if you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let, her give, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. What is going on here? This is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is laying out his manifesto, his manifesto, his constitution for the kingdom of heaven. And, and what is he doing? What is he saying? What does he mean? Well, in confronting the, the shallow practices of the Pharisees, we know that he's clarifying the law, the word of God, the law and the prophets. Remember he said, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Not one stroke will pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Jesus isn't there to change the rules of the game. He's there to change their understanding of God and his ways because the Pharisees had hollowed out the law. The Sadducees, the scribes, the Jewish leadership had just made it a series of do's and don'ts. And if you can avoid these behaviors, you'll be right with God. It's okay to hate somebody's guts. Just don't kill them. Well, that's not right. And that's what he's saying earlier. You know, he's saying that's not right. You know, just because you don't have the guts to carry out your activities, to carry out your intent, doesn't mean you're right with God. You know, and he's saying that here about adultery. He's talking about attitudes toward marriage and divorce. And he's talking about making rash vows and the thinking and the heart condition and the mindsets that underlie them. So in today's passage, Jesus provides us with insight into the principles and heart conditions that undergird, that make possible, that empower successful kingdom living as we live out our life in this fallen, broken world as Christ's followers, as we function as salt and light. And successful kingdom living really requires us to be salt and light. We're to stand out, not to blend in with the culture. 
We're to look and to live differently. And so as we look at this passage, we can, I believe, distill three initiatives that we have to take in order to live out our faith in this fallen, broken world, in order to be or become salt and light to a world that desperately needs hope, help, and healing. And so let's talk about this first initiative. If we want to change the world one soul at a time through an encounter with Jesus Christ, if we want to have the opportunity to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with meekness, gentleness, and respect, we've got to do this first. We have to detach and discard inappropriate desires. There are just some things we can't entertain. There are just some things that cannot be in us and with us. And so we have to detach and discard inappropriate desires. Now, where do we see this? Where do we see detaching and discarding inappropriate desires? Well, detaching and discarding is a theme woven throughout this passage. And we see it here beginning in verse 27 all the way through verse 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Look at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Detach and discard. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Detach and discard. For it is better that you lose one of your members, one of your body parts, than your whole body be thrown into hell. He's talking about triggers here. You know, we, in our culture, we carry everything to the extreme. Trigger this, trigger that, somebody, you know. But what he's talking about is a legitimate kind of trigger. You know, it's not merely good enough to avoid adulterous actions. You've got to avoid adulterous desires, adulterous thinking. You've got to avoid the kinds of thoughts that lead you in a direction that only leads to harm. Thoughts lead to actions. Murderous thoughts lead to murder. Adulterous thoughts lead to adultery. Write this down. I want you to write this down. Thoughts are the dress rehearsals for action. Or you could say it this way. Thoughts are the dress rehearsal of action. The birthplace of adultery and all wrong and harmful actions is in the mind where desires are conceived and nourished and where they develop and where they germinate and come forth. James talks about this in James chapter 1 verses 13 through, uh, through 16. You have this picture here. James uses two analogies. He uses a fishing analogy and he uses a gestational analogy. I want you to look for him as we read through this because this is the way it works. Here's the dress rehearsal for adultery. Here's the dress rehearsal for every wrong desire, for it come becoming something inside your head to being transferred outside of your body into your life. James 1, 13 through 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For because God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted and carried away or tempted and lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. What's going on here? We lure ourselves into trouble. We can't say, as somebody said long ago, the devil made me do it. It's not about that. It's about the thoughts that we entertain. Sometimes you have a passing thought and you put it out of your mind. Other times you turn it over in your mind. And that's what he's talking about here. There's this, you know, James uses, when you read the book of James, he uses a lot of wonderful analogies. And he uses this picture of a fish 
being lured toward the bait that he knows is going to kill him. If you were to modernize it, and for those of you who wear hip waders and like to go fly fishing, you know, when a fish sees two legs walk out into the water and then sees that, he hides under a stump. But then he sees that fly, he sees that lure, and he, you know, he, he gets hungry and he wants that thing. And eventually, his desire for food overwhelms his desire for survival. And that's what we call fish suicide or what you call fly fishing, okay? You think it's all you. Ah, it's the fish. He's killing himself. It's kind of like trolling for mackerel. They just put themselves on the hook, right? But there's this dress rehearsal that goes on in our mind. You know, we think about something too long. We don't put it out. And it becomes to seem reasonable, rational. I can get away with this. It's a victimless crime. It's not going to hurt anybody. And it hurts everybody. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. And then he has this gestational picture of the fertilization of these desires and how they conceive and they bring forth death. Wrong thinking. And that's why Job said this in Job 31.1. talks about, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Another translation is, how could I gaze, gaze at a young woman? And basically, Job is an older man, and he knows there are just some thoughts, some attitudes, he, some desires he can't entertain. He made a promise to himself that he's not going to look at a younger woman. He's not going to even put himself in a position to have wrong thoughts, wrong desires. He won't gaze. That word gaze there is critical because it, you know, it's not that he, oh, there's a younger woman. I mean, it's that, you know, he goes, oh, there's a younger woman, and he goes on, and he doesn't go back, and he doesn't stare. Kind of like David failed. You know where David failed, right? He's, he sees uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba bathing. He says, who is that? And his servant goes, that's the wife of Uriah the Hittite the granddaughter of your counselor, Ahithophel. But David won't take his eyes off of her, and he begins to run through. He's tempted and carried away by his own desires, and it gives birth to death, adultery and death, adultery and murder. Identify, detach, and discard. There are some things that cannot be in your life. You've got to set your mind above on the things of God, not the things of earth. You cannot allow your mind to wander. You cannot allow any person, place, or thing to serve as your trigger. Look again at verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, with the wrong desire, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know, John Piper says you've got a six-second rule. When a wrong desire enters your mind, you've got to turn your mind somewhere else. You've got to move fast. That's the difference between gazing and dwelling. You're, you're focusing on the wrong kinds of things. Let me tell you about Eddie. Eddie's not his real name, and if your name is Eddie, it's not about you, okay? Eddie was at a church I was at about 15 years ago, and he calls me on the phone and goes, Pastor, something terrible has happened. I'm like, well, what is it, Eddie? Eddie was struggling with pornography and some other things. He goes, I was driving down the street, and I ended up in a gentleman's club. I was like, a gentleman's club? You mean a strip joint? There ain't no gentleman, and ain't no club. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, how did that happen? He goes, well, I was just driving down the street. Next thing you know, I'm there. I said, back me up and let's do this in slow motion. He goes, well, I was driving down the street. I'm going to work the same way every day. You know, there's this big billboard in Hollywood. It has an advertisement for the gentleman's club. And, and it, it just, it, it, next thing I know, I, I was just, I couldn't think about anything else. And I saw the picture and I went. I said, okay, all right. I said, you know, first of all, you're going to need to come clean with your wife. You're going to, you know, all this kind of stuff. He goes, but how can I avoid it? I said, it's easy. Take a different way to work. Detach and discard that route. He goes, well, I'll add 45 minutes to my commute. I said, no problem. Quit your job and get another one somewhere else. 
He goes, well, I don't want to do that. I said, well, you need to pick between the two. Because anything that's going to cause you to stumble like that has got to go. And you're either going to have to take a different exit on the freeway or take, go by surface streets or something. Or you need to quit your job and get another one somewhere else. So you're not going to be in that place. Detach and discard. I'm reminded when you look at this, how the mind works. Another example is in Genesis chapter 3, Eve's sin, right? Satan presents a little bit of an opportunity. You want to be like God? Take the fruit because as it says in Genesis 3, 5, and 6, watch this play out. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Half truth, she'll know good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and ate and she also gave some of the fruit to her husband who was with her and he ate. Do not be deceived, right? It brought forth death. Lust conceived, desire conceived. She wanted what she couldn't have. She turned it over in her mind. It looked good to her. She focused on it. She dwelt on it. And bang, sin and death enters the world. We see, we desire, we die. Desire conceives sin. Sin brings forth death. You've got to detach and discard. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Detach and discard. There are persons, places, and things in your life that have to go. That you can't afford. That's what's going on here. When Jesus talks about tearing out the right eye and cutting off the right hand, he's using hyperbole. He's making a point. Because everybody, and most everybody in that day, even like today, most people are right-handed and the right eye was the dominant eye. And socially, you could not use your left hand for reasons I will not go into for shaking hands or putting it on the table when you're eating in Palestine and the Middle East. Even to this day, you usually put it under your thigh or keep it off the table. And for you to cut your right hand off, first of all, if you're right-handed, that's a big deal. Secondly, socially, you're going to be on the outs. And Jesus is saying, don't let any desire... Don't let any intent of your heart come between you and God. Detach and discard it. Get rid of it. So what can you do about that? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. One, identify your triggers and eliminate them. Like Eddie, don't go to work that way. Or get another job. Whatever it takes, change of job, change of friends, change in patterns, cancel the subscription, stop going to the gym, stop posting on social media, stop going online altogether. Whatever it is that trips you up, get a flip phone. You know, whatever it is, and we're not just talking about good old-fashioned sexual lust, whatever it is that puts wrong desires in your head that causes you to stumble or that causes you to cause other people to stumble, detach and discard it. Get rid of it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're not a victim. You're the perpetrator. Let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot himself be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. Detach and discard. It is of supreme importance to successful kingdom living. All right, so we detach and discard. That's our first initiative. Then what? What do we do now? That brings us to initiative number two. Then what do we do? Then we must detach and discard inappropriate attitudes, bad attitudes. Where do we see that? Well, I want you to consider the thinking, the link between your desires and the attitudes that begin to manifest themselves and the actions that they'll lead to. I want you to consider the grouping here of adultery and divorce. Look at verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. 
But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Before we go any further, let me talk about what this passage is not dealing with. It's not dealing with divorce and remarriage. Why? Because then there is the assumption there's going to be remarriage. And, we're, and I'll teach on this more comprehensively some other time. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we have Paul's teaching on that, which is the same teaching that Jesus would endorse because the Holy Spirit inspired the whole New Testament. And in, in 1 Corinthians 7, there are three people groups. The agamos, uh, the unmarried. Uh, the widow and the virgin or the betrothed. The virgin, naturally, is somebody who's never been married. They're betrothed, maybe. The widow is somebody who's been married but lost a spouse to death. And the agamas, gamas, has to do with marriage. Ah is a no or un or d. The demarried, the unmarried, is somebody who was married before. And Paul gives the, the, all the requirements there that God has about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And we'll get into that some other time. But what we're teaching about here are attitudes. And in the Jewish law, they said, you know what? There were two schools of thinking. There was the school of Shammai and the school of Hillel. Hillel says she blew the bacon, eggs, and grits. Get rid of her, okay? You can divorce your wife for any old reason. And Shammai, who had it right, said, "Uh uh-uh. That is a covenant made between you and God. Tread lightly. And in that day, just like in this day, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And they bailed on marriage in that day, just like people bail on marriage today. Marriage is difficult. It's one of the most glorious things you'll ever do and one of the most difficult things. I want you to look at how this plays out here. I want you to listen to the Pharisees' thinking in Matthew 19, 1 through 11. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? See the attitude there, any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, then why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, look what he says. It's about their attitudes. Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case for a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, it is given. He's speaking to the people of God here. This is the Shammai Hillel thing. They're working through there, and Jesus is saying, forget Shammai, he's got it right, but what it's really about is God and his plan for marriage. You are not to take it lightly. You are not to regard the commandments of God lightly. The certificate of divorce was to, was to show the woman had been put out by her husband. It wasn't because she was unvirtuous. It's because the husband had a lousy attitude toward marriage. Where do these attitudes begin? They begin in the mind. Marriage is hard work. You get glued together to a, another sinner, and you're with them pretty much 24-7, 365 days a year without weekends off. And when you put two sinners together, sin increases exponentially. Add a couple of kids to the scenario, more exponential sin. Marriage is the most glorious thing you'll ever do and the hardest job you'll ever have.
Pastor Keith Crosby, on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.